Welcome in to the student section, season two, episode 16. Matt Murphy joined by Tom Scabelli and Dan DiOrio in our Rose Hill studios. Guys, it's been more than a week now since we've last had an episode. A lot to catch up on, a lot to look ahead to, and a pretty good guest interview on this episode and a crazy story. Part of the reason we haven't had an episode in a little while is because we were on the road traveling with Fordham basketball. One of the games was at St. Joe's, and we ran into their color analyst who also happens to be a pretty big deal in the college basketball world in terms of what everyone cares about most, March Madness. Yeah, we've been talking since last year that Joe Lenardi was one of our white whales for the podcast. He was somebody we wanted to talk to about the bracket whenever it comes out. And sure enough, thanks to Dan Diorio with the eyes of a hawk. He's got the glasses on right now. He you didn't, didn't have him on when we saw him. On then. Yeah, don't don't let the glasses fool you. I do have pretty good eyes, but I think it just speaks to the fact that like God is a student sections fan. Okay, because... that's my line. You can't just stay. <laughs> well, you steal said my it. Line. You said, said it, it, but like it couldn't times. be more accurate. The stars aligned. We saw Joe Lenardi randomly in a parking lot, and then next thing you know, the next I, day, I we... mean, yeah, if we miss one light along right. the way from the hotel, he doesn't lose his wife's phone or whatever that he was looking for. I mean, God is a student section fan. So I it was fate. It was fate that we we found him, or should I say, I found him. If you're taking credit for things, that's I might fine. as well as well. And maybe we'll get a little bit of the halftime show in there, too, where Tom Scabelli talks about how he learned how to ride Heelys with his helmet on in his driveway, which That's is a kind of the crazy whole move. Spoiled it. Crazy <laughs> move. Before we do send it to that interview, just how about Joe Lenardi kind of volunteering? He must be a huge student section guy. Must be listening to some of our yeah, past interviews. Subscribed. If you haven't heard those, go check those out on our WFUV Sports iTunes page or on Twitter at StudentSecPod. But, yeah, he must have known about us because – we were talking to him just casual window side conversation in the car, and he said, do you have a halftime guest for tomorrow? Unprompted. So he must be a, a closet student section fan. Yeah, he probably, as excited as we were to see him, he was probably twice as excited to see us, I'd bet. I would agree 100%. <laughs> and a great eye again by Dan DiOrio, who used to be the producer of this podcast. <laughs> I guess we still kind of refer to you <laughs> as the producer. But on that note, let's send it to our interview with Joe Lenardi. And we've got... The return of Heelys during this halftime show. We've got. Did you have any Heelys when you were a kid? I did, actually. I'll give you a story on that after I kind of explain or take in what's going on on the floor down in front of us. It's about eight or ten children on Heelys dribbling basketballs and doing some Harlem Globetrotters-like Oh, tricks. my God. Look at this one girl. There's a young girl in the middle of the Hawk logo spinning the ball on her finger while doing kind of like breakdancing moves, flipping upside down, catching the ball between her legs, still with it spinning. This is incredible. Get this girl on America's Got Talent. My God. And now they've got a dribbling show going on, but you got to be careful on Heelys. I mean, I used to have a pair. I tried to kick a soccer ball on Heelys and had some back spasms for weeks. Really? Went straight down onto my back. So you got to be careful. Were you a Heelys guy? Oh, huge. One of the biggest. That doesn't surprise meet. me at all. I was so pathetic, though, that when I it took me so, like, I didn't learn to ride a bike till I was, like, nine, I think. And Heelys, it took me so long to learn how to use my Heelys. I'd be... In my driveway with this stupid-looking helmet on. Oh, you wore a helmet? <laughs> no, just what I, I was learning. Oh, There's my a picture goodness. somewhere out there, and I looked awful. But then once I got the hang of it, nothing like rolling down some hardwood floors with some Heelys. And, my God, the girl has four balls now, one on each toe and one on her one on her hand. I just, mean, you see that with the Globetrotters all the time, but not young kids usually being that skilled at doing that. And... I still can't get over that you wore a helmet to run Healy. So it we'll was move just on. I was learning. We'll move on because we do see Joe Lenardi potentially coming up. I kind of sound a little creepy waiting for him to walk <laughs> up here. We 
We're on Joe Lunardi. I mean, I think we should explain, we gotta explain how we yeah. got Joe Lunardi. And a lot of that credit goes to our producer, Dan DiOrio, who's on site with us here in Philadelphia. We were cruising the streets of Philadelphia last night. I was at the wheel, which that's besides the point. We probably need to hire a driver or something. I don't yeah. think the talent should have to drive. The play-by-play guy's got to drive the producer and the color guy around. But more on that another time. But so we're driving. We're in one of the neighboring towns. We're in Bryn Mawr, and... and Dan says, that's Joe Lenardi. And it was just right him. as we're pulling into a parking lot. Just him. Perfect timing. Joe Lenardi's walking on the sidewalk all alone. We roll down the window. We say we're big fans, and you want to keep the story going because I kind of forget. It was all a blur oh, from yeah. there for we, me. We rolled down the windows. We said, oh, Joe, we're big fans. He was happy to see us. Couldn't have been a nicer guy. We explained that we are the Fordham radio crew. He said excited. And just when I was about to ask him if you want to be our halftime guest, he volunteered. He said, you guys need a halftime guest tomorrow. I'm yours, and, you know, we, we, we've been, you know, we're, three of us are the hosts of the student section podcast, and Joe Lenard has been one of our white whales trying to get him on. <laughs> him the and ESPN, Jay Billis, the two guys. Yeah, the ESPN bracketologist, and looks like he could be making his way up up the stairs now. So This really is like an awesome. all-out play-by-play of Joe Lenardi's halftime <laughs> movements. <laughs> I've said it before. I think God is a student section fan because you think about it, we miss, we make one light along the way. We leave our hotel one minute early. Joe Lenardi doesn't, isn't out looking for his wife's cell phone. Then who knows? We may never run into him, may not have him at halftime. It, you know, it's moments like that that make you think, hey, you know, and people are looking out for us. They're looking out for this Fordham basketball broadcast as well. And he did say he recovered a cell phone and gave it to his wife. He, he didn't specify if it was the right one or not, but... Hopefully we'll have him on soon. Just taking a look at the college basketball landscape around the country right now, and there are six minutes or so left in halftime here. St. Joe's has a one-point lead over Fordham, 28-27. Villanova's up by 22 on UConn. Antoine Anderson, a UConn player this season, was at Fordham last year in this very arena, hit a buzzer beater to win the game for the Rams in double overtime. So Villanova taking care of business there. How about this, Tom? You were a huge Wichita State guy all preseason. The number seven team in the country Oof. trails Houston in the American Conference, 67-54 with just a couple of minutes left over there. Georgetown and St. John's, a classic Big East matchup, is a one-point game. And we do have Legend Joe Lenardi right now. He's hopping on a stick mic and a headset for us. Very pleased to be joined by Joe Lenardi, the assistant vice president of marketing communications here at St. Joe's. But many people know him as an ESPN bracketologist, the ESPN Bracketologist. Joe, thanks for giving us a few minutes here. I know that was a low-scoring first half, a one-point game. St. Joe's leading Fordham. What did you think of that first half? Ten turnovers for the Rams, and they're usually the team that turns people over ten or so times in a game. Yeah, I'm sorry I was a little late getting up here, guys. No, no I had problem. To, had to take a call from the Hall of Fame because they wanted that game tape. You know, oh, yeah? such a <laughs> sterling and well-played almost, first half. I almost believed you for a second. <laughs> well, I have that way about me. Uh, yeah, I mean, an interesting low-scoring first half. But I think we also want to talk about, we have a few minutes here. I have right here our Bracketology page pull up. This is yours from January 18th. This was Thursday. Those Either of our schools know. on there, guys? No, I don't see yeah, either. I don't, I don't see one more St. Joe's. Maybe if they run the table. Uh, but uh, this, uh, if people don't know, Joe Lenardi projects an ESPN bracket every Monday and every Thursday. We on our podcast actually use your bracket to predict the Elite Eight and the Final Four as we go on. So, you know, what I kind of wanted to ask is just generally, how did you get into bracketology and how did you hone your skills to become, you know, the top guy in he the He created business? it. Well, I was, you know, I was the star center on my college team, as you yeah, can see. Obviously. And uh, Joe is six no, six I was, for those of you that can't see. <laughs> I was a, uh, 
a sports writer after college and in college undergrad here at, at St. Joseph's. I chased the team around just like you guys are and was always fond of that and certainly always had an interest in the, in the NCAA tournament. You know, my last two years here, the Hawks were fortunate enough to be in the tournament and in one of those cases go to the Elite Eight. So that's going to kind of be a memorable right. experience. And I guess I've always been in love with the tournament since not just the games, but the mechanics of it and how the field is put together and how the tournament is matched and administered uh, and and kind of made it almost like an academic enterprise, if you will, and uh, never really for public consumption uh, and certainly never knowing that it would become something popular and, and, and followed by folks like yourselves and, and fans all throughout college basketball. I just feel very, very blessed because all I'm doing now publicly is what I, I be doing on a scratch pad at home. So, Joe, Fordham's looking for their first win away from home this season, and that's something that the selection committee for the NCAA tournament is putting a greater emphasis on this year, road wins. And what's what are your thoughts on that emphasis on road wins? Because it seems this season that it's harder than ever to win on the road in college basketball, even Wichita State right now down double digits at the end of the game to Houston in the American. Well, numbers don't lie generally, and home teams in Division I men's basketball win over 70% of the time. Uh, and, and there's a reason for that, because it's hard. Yeah. And uh, uh, th those games should be valued differently and greater. And, and I think the committee has valued road performance greater over the years. They've just kind of put it in a little bold of relief this year by adjusting what wins they're going to put in which columns in terms of evaluation. It's something that I've always had an eye on and even keep a little my own RPI of how teams do just in road and neutral games because a, a true neutral game is really most replicating an NCAA tournament setting. And, you know, when you project your bracket, you're not putting in the 68 teams you think should be in. You're projecting the 68 teams you think the committee will put in. So what I want to know, are there any changes? Is there any emphasis like the road wins? Is there anything else you wish the committee would put a bigger emphasis on and you think should be you know, more in consideration when deciding who deserves a spot? Well, I'd like them to disband the committee and let us do it. Yeah, you know, that might us? be fun. I think they'd <laughs> save a lot of money. They wouldn't need the floor of a hotel for a week. You know, I, I mean, look, I've said for a long time that teams should have to be tournament eligible. Just like in, in college football, you have to meet a certain threshold. And what might that be? Well, I'm looking for a way to get rid of mediocre teams from big conferences that get in simply because of the coattails of those conferences. To me, you'd have to be a 500 team in your league. Like, I'm not suggesting revolution here. Right. Like 500 is a pretty modest threshold to meet, but it would open up a couple, three spots a year for, you know, a 28 and 8 team from the Missouri Valley or another Atlantic 10 team or Houston, you know, which uh, was first four out or next four out as today began and playing obviously a, a, an outstanding Wichita State team uh, to a big victory at home. And, and the, it's not just a personal preference that causes me to say that the data suggests that teams from those categories the high quality uh, mid-majors 
perform very well over time in the NCAA tournament. And what I call the middling majors simply don't. They win about 40% of their games. Joe, one quick final question for you. Very quick, so we know you got to get back to your broadcast. With all the upsets we've seen in college basketball this year, how crazy is this NCAA tournament going to be this March? Well, we have the upsets every year, and the tournament is predictably unpredictable. You know, all four number one seeds have advanced to the Final Four exactly once in the 33 years since it expanded to 64 teams. So I think what we're seeing is the norm. It's when it's it's when there aren't upsets that that's the exception. Absolutely. Joe, thanks so much for the time. Good luck, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. We're glad you found your wife's phone. <laughs> All right, so thanks again to Joe Lenardi of ESPN and obviously affiliated with St. Joe's University as well. Great to have him on this podcast because, Tom, like you said at the start of the show, a guy that, for what we do here, if you think back to Season 1 and all the episodes we've had before this where we would break down his bracketology and talk about who we had going to the Final Four. We're have to bring that back soon, by the way, that segment also. Yeah, we've been getting some... Uh, no, we haven't. We haven't, get, get, we haven't been getting people asking for <laughs> it, but that was always a fun segment. It is kind of hard to do that, though, to kind of make your Final Four based on where everybody's at because so much changes. Right. And we've seen that in the past week. We're going to see that again this weekend. Probably there's a ton of good games. So much can happen in college basketball, and that's what Joe talked about in the interview towards the end. Everyone's talking about, including myself, when I asked the question, could this be a crazier NCAA tournament than we've seen before? And he says that's he kind of downplayed it. It's not really anything different because we see upsets every single year. So let's talk a little bit about some games that are coming up this weekend before we get into our starting five update. And if you haven't been listening to past episodes, that's where we all selected five teams before the season. And we basically tally up our points and see which among who among the three of us has the most points, one point for every regular season win, two for a conference tournament win, and three for an NCAA tournament win should all five of your teams get there and make it that far. But in terms of individual games, Tom, you were talking about the SEC Big 12, Big 12 Challenge coming up this weekend. And I know when we called the game back in Morgantown at West Virginia not too long ago, just before Christmas, that was a big deal when I looked at the West Virginia schedule and saw Kentucky on there mixed in their conference play. That's one of the big games this weekend. Yeah, there's a couple good ones. Uh, Baylor, Florida could, could be somewhat interesting. Oklahoma, Alabama, a couple of star freshmen in Trey Young and Colin Sexton. Tennessee, Iowa State, Kansas, Texas, and Amps. There's a lot of good games. Obviously, the headliner being Kentucky, West Virginia, two teams that aren't playing super well as of late. West Virginia's lost three games over the past week and a half or so. They just lost to TCU in overtime last night. Kentucky's out of the top 25 for the first time since 2014, I saw. So they're a team that I've sort of been – back and forth with Kentucky they're so hard to get a read on until like basically March Madness like you never know what type of team Kyle Power is going to have and West Virginia I, I did like but I mean all these losses are starting to pile up I don't know I mean every time it seems like we think there's a new contender they show that they have holes and, and fall down a little bit and that game's at West Virginia yeah yeah that game I, I actually like West Virginia I know a lot of times I point to the logic of I'm going to pick a team that's struggling in their last couple games try to give them pick them by low almost but West Virginia is a way better team than than what it looks like like three losses over the last four games TCU Texas Tech and Kansas though those are those are three solid teams so I do understand why there's room to be concerned if you're a West Virginia fan but that being said still probably the best defense and you know Javon Carter you got you got some great uh veterans on that team and Javon Javon, <laughs> I always get roasted for it. And uh, when we did that road show back at your old stomping grounds, 
St. Bonaventure, that was your buy low episode where you really came out as the buy low guy. And I don't think that went too well for you. I remember it didn't. you picked some outrageous. I think you had TCU beating someone before yeah. they ended up beating West Virginia. Weekend. You were a little early on TCU. Yeah, but you know what? I'm going to ride with them. And uh, same, same goes for West Virginia. You know, I'll take them. If you can't take them at their worst, you don't deserve them at their best, as they say. So, Did you pick West Virginia officially, too, in this one? For this game? Yeah, sure. I'll go West Virginia. I think that the young guards of Kentucky may have trouble against Press Virginia. That was exactly my thing about Kentucky's Basketball guards. Lines. Yeah, so I was going to bring that up next. But I'll take West Virginia as well. And what other games did, did we want to bring up here? I mean, I think Oklahoma hosting Alabama could be good. So, I mean, right now we're recording this Tuesday night. Kansas and Oklahoma are playing tonight. We'll talk about that game a little so, bit. So, yeah, we're recording at 6.52 right now, so we might be a little bit late East, posting our, our gifts of Trey Young if we don't get back yeah. in time to post those on our Twitter. Uh, they're not gifts, by the way. They're, they're videos. Uh, whatever. You're our social at media. At least you yeah. call it yeah. a GIF. Well, they're gifs, and yeah. they're, but they're not gifs. Don't if they, was so, gifts, don't they sometimes gifs. say GIF at the bottom, though? When you cut no, it? Never. Never? Never. Unless My I steal it have... from somewhere, some other account. Anyway, uh, okay. uh, moving on. Kansas and Oklahoma should be a good one tonight. Then Oklahoma goes against Alabama this weekend. Like we said, the star star freshman. Uh, Trey Young's been getting some heat lately. And you see today he said people forget that I'm only 19 years old. So I not... did not see that. He said that? Yeah. He almost had 19 turnovers the other day to match his age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know what? He had, what, 40 points, right, against Oklahoma State? 48. For, yeah, say. 48. It, w- it was insane. and uh, But he took yeah, he took a ridiculous amount of shots. I mean, he's and not perfect, on him. but he's still exciting. And obviously, anytime anyone is getting that much national attention, there's bound to be some criticism. But I like Kansas tonight, uh, so you'll see if I was right uh, in the morning. And I like Oklahoma to bounce back against Alabama uh, this weekend. Hmm. And then Virginia-Duke is the other big game we want to talk about that, this week. That, Before that, I want to make my Kansas pick for tonight and just look back <laughs> and see if we were right. I'm going to take Kansas as well. They've been rolling lately. Everyone... The time that we were at West Virginia, everyone was saying, oh, this could be West Virginia or Texas Tech's year in the Big 12. And sadly, I think now at this point, it's not going to be much of a a change. I'm a a closet Jayhawks fan. Well, that's because you have them in starting five, which we're going to get to. Yeah, I know. It's tough. I got my two guys and my two starting five teams going against each other. So that's coming up in a second. But we will get to that Duke-Virginia game as well. But, Dan, tonight, Kansas and Oklahoma. I don't know. I feel like every time I give a pick now, it's wrong. So well, tonight meeting Tuesday, reluctant. so by the time people... I'm what other go podcast this? gives you game, I'm predictions gonna go for games Kansas. that already happened? I'm going to go with Kansas because I think Trey Young has been struggling. Oh, for like Given he's Trey Young, we've seen his struggle. Oh, and, and Tom's guy, Billy Preston's coming back. Oh, wait. No, no he's, he's going, going overseas us, to play professionally. That was brutal. I got that push notification <laughs> update when we were in the Philly Hotel. You've been waiting on that night. for every, all forever. Year, all year, I'm like, Billy Preston, just wait, just wait. They did get Silvio DeSouza back, but no Billy Preston. Oh, and I was so, wrong uh, in the pronunciation there. Tough. When we had the Bonnies episode, I was like, it's probably DeSouza. I thought it was I a was little, right. You were kind of right with DeSouza, yeah. Thank you. And before then, before we move on, though, I just want to point out one crazy stat from the Big Ten, Big Twelve, excuse me. Kansas State has not trailed a game since January the sixteenth. One of my like seven days ago. Yeah, but that's pretty impressive, especially you look at. Their, well, they almost beat. Who did they almost beat? And they lost by one, and then they you, pulled off an upset. You after look at that. their their uh, their three latest games: Oklahoma, TCU, and Baylor. So that's that's not a stat to sneeze at. There's three yes. games since. since yeah, it's impressive. I mean, it's not like, I don't know, if it was like a so four-month thing, but, maybe but I'd But Big be 12, like... my point is, like, really powerhouse college basketball this year. ACC almost. No, the I Big mean, 12, like, I mean, they won't, but it's not inconceivable that they get every team in. I would say that they're the best conference in, in. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think so, too, and that hasn't been the talk in recent years in college basketball. Let's briefly talk about Virginia Duke, which is on Saturday, like we just said. this It's Tuesday night right now as we record this episode. 
and the Lenardi interview was a couple days ago at St. Joe's. But can't, Virginia was not expected to be this good this year. Everyone knows about the pack line defense. You're a huge pack line guy, the Tom. Biggest. Probably the biggest in at least this immediate area, yeah. maybe the world. And Duke, that's not their story this year. Their story right now is their sick recruiting class for next year, but also their lack of defense so far this year. So it's contrasting styles. I think Duke pulls this one out this weekend. It's tough. Kyle I mean, Guy it, and Ty Jerome are a nice little duo with Virginia, but I don't think they have enough firepower. It is at Duke, which obviously helps a lot. But, I mean, Virginia, the pack line defense does travel. Uh, it's tough. I mean, I'm looking at Duke's stats now. I mean, if you can't shoot, if their shots aren't going to fall, it's going to be hard to get the ball inside against the pack line defense of Virginia like it always is. And Duke does do a nice job on, on the offensive glass. They have the highest offensive rebounding percentage in the country, actually, and a lot of that is due to Marvin Bagley being a freak down low. But I don't know. Duke, to me, is a team, like a younger team that's talented, but I could see them being susceptible to that tough Virginia defense. I, I'm, I'm going to pick Virginia. I'm going to go with an upset. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Duke, and I'm glad you picked Virginia so I didn't have to. But at the end of the day, it comes down to just if the game being at Cameron. Like That's too big of an advantage for Duke. Granted, they are a little, they're you know, freshman based, but I think that they're they're gonna show up, and I think they're gonna beat Virginia. But also, it comes down to I just don't think Virginia has an answer offensively for the pieces that Duke has. Yeah, I know Duke's defense is is not that good uh, in regards to their offense. Like, there's a big difference between the two. But Virginia, I think they're gonna have a hard time uh, keeping up with the scoring from Duke. So I'm going Duke. And Dan, the Great White Diorio has Duke in his starting five, and they've really been helping carry him to the top of the three of our standings here in terms of starting five points at this point in the season let's get into that now before we wrap it up who do we want to start we want to start with the the champion right no. now currently or the or worst the basement first. Yeah. Worst we'll go worst the first i got so. 73 like two weeks ago we all had like the same amount of wins i don't know how yeah i think we were all one win apart well i've, I've got kansas 16 and three kansas though is i think they could they're a legit they have a legit chance to be the national champion. No, so, dude, look so back at like March it. the past couple of years for them. But look, we everyone was talking, like you said, against against Kansas a few weeks ago. Now look at them, 6-1 and one in the Big 12, top of the Big 12 standings, five straight wins. And, yeah, they don't have Billy Preston, but you know what? They're going to keep playing better as a team. Playing Oklahoma tonight, one of my other starting five teams. I still, I always have one Trey Young, and you guys have zero Trey Youngs on your squad, so I'll <laughs> always have that on you. Minnesota, we're not going to talk about Minnesota. Uh, Grand Canyon at 14-6. and six. Josh Braun, that's that's a pick. I mean, like, I picked them because we interviewed Josh Braun. Has to have, we have to have a team from someone we interviewed. They, I think they're still going to win the WAC and uh, maybe get me a tournament winner too, Cinderella. I'd like to see that storyline. Seton Hall at 15-5 and five has, has fallen out of the top 25 rankings, but the three seniors, I'm still – I'm playing the long con, the long game right now. I, I think that I have a chance to have, like, Three elite eight teams. I don't know if you guys can say that. Yeah, I can. Definitely. I, I might be able to say that, and I'll go now because I got 77 points, so I'm sandwiched between the two of you. My number one pick, we picked one team, one through five, in the week two of the AP poll, one team uh, 11, through 11 through 25, two unranked, and then one team, like you said, from a, a player's team that we interviewed. You have Josh Braun from Grand Canyon. I've got UT Arlington, uh, Kevin Hervey, who we had on the show in the preseason. Michigan State was my number one pick. They're kind of getting overshadowed in the Big Ten by Purdue, who out of not out of nowhere, but is having a great season all yeah. the way to the top of the rankings. Of they're number two right now, I believe, and they're in the top three. And uh, James Decker, sneaky pick by him when we had him on for a celebrity episode, former student section host. He has Purdue in his starting five. He that picked he did. Purdue. He did. 
Wow, I must so, have forgot about that. Very good pick by James Decker. So Michigan State's 18-3. and three. They've got 18 of my 77. The reason I said I might have three teams that could sneak into the Elite Eight caliber, those type of caliber teams, I've got Cincinnati at 17-2. and two. Their defense is no unbelievable. No what guards. was the halftime score of their game the other day? I think they had 15 points at half and were winning. I, I didn't even see that, so I don't know. I, I could be wrong. They're your, they're your something team. Like you're, the ex, you're, the, you're the Bearcats expert. It was something like that. And then Nevada, 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 however you say it, 18-3 and three to each his own with the pronunciation. I've always said Nevada, but then I was watching their game against Boise State the other night, and the announcers had it Nevada the whole way through. So, Nevada, Las Vegas, Nevada. Okay. I say Nevada, Nevada, but a lot of I people have Nevada been going Nevada well. lately. Anyway, they're 18-3, and three, however you pronounce it, the Martin Twins. Eric Musselman is a, is a great were, head coach. That game was against UCF. They were down 19-15 at half. Okay, but they won. So, yeah, yeah. that's crazy halftime yeah. score. They held, they held UCF to 38 points. I and then did you guys see game. Taco Falls out for the season? The seven, I did six not. The 7-6 guy on UCF? Wow. He, we tried to get him in the preseason. Yeah. Didn't yeah. work out as well as some <laughs> of the others. Um, but hopefully he recovers well. And then rounding out my starting five, I've got uh, two teams that I wish were playing a little bit better. Valpo was a sneaky pick. I, I picked them when they you were. You picked him just because of that one fan. Well, we do a, have a Valpo Hoops fan who listens to the show. Shout out to him. He, uh, when I picked Valpo, they were 8-0 and at the time. Uh, now they are 11-10, and and they're 2-6 and in the Missouri they, Valley. They, they have no shot. I think the Missouri Valley is Missouri State's to win this year, to lose, I guess you could say, with Alizé Johnson, someone who we also had earlier in the preseason. He's looked good this year for them. And then UT Arlington, like I said, Kevin Hervey, 13-8, and 4-4 and in the Sun Belt also known as the Fun Belt. So now, Dan, let's get a little Zion Williamson talk as we wrap this officially up because you've got Duke. Duke, probably my my first overall pick. I've been high on them since the beginning of the season. What do you mean probably? It was definitely your first overall pick. No, oh yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> um, but I think I still think they're they're the favorite to win it all this year, and I'm glad that I picked them. But they're continuing their their uh, legacy, with, especially Coach K. He's almost challenging John Calipari now for recruiting getting Zion Williamson. I was looking at the crystal ball predictions. 96% of the analysts had him going to Clemson. Four, the other 4% was the UNC. Duke was not even considered an option. Yeah. So I don't know what. Like, they've got Tyus Jones' brother coming in. Who Duke? does? Duke? Duke. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Trey Jones. So, Duke, yeah. But if you look at the recruits, every year since, I think, 2012, Coach K has produced a player drafted one, two, or three in the NBA draft, dating back to Jabari Parker. There's been uh, Julio Okafor. Okafor. Yeah, obviously now. Justice Winslow was there, Tyus Jones. So they have had success with the one and done, the Tyus Jones, Justice Winslow, Julio Okafor. They've had success with that type. But, I mean, I think a lot of people think it busts because last year they are supposed to be unbelievable with Jason Tatum and Harry Giles. Jason Tatum was fine, but they lost to South Carolina. Harry Giles was a huge bust, so – I don't know. It's I mean the top three like they should well, just win. Like if they don't win the national championship, they have three of the top three and five of the top ten. Like that's insane. maybe Grayson Allen can get another year. Yeah, that's the thing he about should. Duke. They get a lot of these big recruits, but a lot of times they don't even end up panning out. You look at what happened with uh, or it takes them some time, right? To like least. Marquise Bolden now just getting solid minutes for Duke. Uh, also, you know Harry Giles, as you mentioned, didn't work out. Kyrie Irving even. Yeah. So Coach they're going to be good. Twenty eighteen. Don't discredit him, but Duke leading me to real, 80 real wins. quick note before you move to your other team. Uh, just a St. Bonaventure note for you. I have to throw this in. I brought up Trey Jones, Tyus Jones connection at Duke. How about Rhode Island? I've been doing some game prep for them, Rhode Island this week. We'll Jaylen have the call Adams, of that. little brother Brent. Yeah. 
Brendan Adams is going to Rhode Island next year. Didn't know that. They've got the top mid-major recruiting class for next season. Congratulations to the Adams family, two players. Hey, the the Adams, Adams family. family. Nice. Uh, two players Good in the A-10. But, yeah, I remember seeing uh, Jalen's Instagram post congratulating his brother. He said, I'm gonna be, it's going to be hard to root for you with these colors on. But And they just took care of Bonnie's. You or I did not too long ago. Yeah, so definitely, definitely uh, something to watch there. But Duke... 17 wins on the season, leading me to first place. I think last episode I was in uh, last. Now I'm in first, so not to brag there. But Duke's playing well. My only bad team that I'm really concerned about is UCLA, 13 and seven. So a bad, a bad pick there. But other we, we than that, we weren't. We told you that you guys were talking. You, you did, you did. I wish I could go back and change that. But you guys were bragging about how you have three caliber teams that are really going to go deep. But Arizona, Duke, and Xavier, I think those are yeah. three legit yeah. Final yeah. Four contenders. It's so. got mine beat, I think. But you never know. You so never my, know. My, my guys are doing well. We mentioned uh, Trey Bell Haynes, Vermont, undefeated in American East play. So great signs all around except for UCLA. So who knows? Maybe if they had LiAngelo, I'd be in <laughs> even more <laughs> yeah. in the lead. Ball so. and LeVar. Ball in the family. So I think that's going to do it for this episode of the student section. For my co-hosts, Tom Scabelli and Dan DiOrio, I'm Matt Murphy. Be a fan of the student section. Happy, happy moment, happy, happy moment, happy, happy.